Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is where we speak to awesome, fascinating and intriguing people from across the world that will inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. Now today's guest is a proper mac and cheese individual. He is all the way from California. He is a Korean American. He is a guy who has conquered TikTok. He is a man who has many different, he's a, he's a unique character who you're going to absolutely love and who you not forget. Please welcome the fantastic, the amazing Mike Kim. Hello. Yes. That was a, that was a nice intro, man. It, it riled me up. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fuck shit up right now. <laughs> I was going to leave this podcast and just go outside and start yelling. Do you think I, I, do, you think, do you think that's like a Mike Buffer kind of intro? <laughs> I like it. It's cool, you know. It's empowering. Well, one one thing that I've one thing that I always talk to of a lot of guests, they always tell me thanks for the intro, and they say, "Oh, I've had so many bad intros, and someone's saying it wrong." I'm guessing with this is something every comedian has witnessed. What have been some interesting intros you've had in comedy? <laughs> oh man, dude! When I started getting a following on TikTok, everybody knew because I'm a stand-up comedian first, but it's like. My comedian friends knew that I didn't want it to be called like a TikToker. So when they would bring me up, they would fuck with me and they'd be like, all right, next comedian, fucking um, great TikToker, such an amazing TikToker. I'm like, fucking bitch. That's the most annoying, the most annoying to me because it, it like downplays all the work I put in the stand-up. I put like fucking hours and thousands of dollars into it because I, I have to drive just, just to fucking whether it's a show or an open mic, I have to drive minimum 25 miles one way. You know, I spend a lot of money um, to do what I got to do in my, you know, so then, so then when somebody's like, oh, he's just, he's just, he's a, he's a TikToker. I'm like, I'm like okay, well, you're not wrong. I, I'm on TikTok, but I'm, I'm a fucking comic. You know, like, I'm in that fucking world. That's my shit. Yeah. And when they ask you for a lift to a gig, do you just say, I am going to take you for a lift? And then like, you just leave them there. <laughs> just leave them there. Nah, nah, nah. nah <laughs> they have to drive to my house, though. Like, literally today, we're going to um, go to LA, hit some spots, and uh, they're going to fucking... If they don't get to my house on time, I'm, I'm leaving them. That's how it is. I don't... I'm like, you better fucking get on time, because I'm very like, let's, let's fucking go. Let's go, let's go. But the way you said it, he conquered TikTok, that was fucking badass. Because that makes me seem like a warrior alpha male. So when he said that, I was like, damn, nobody ever said conquered TikTok. I'm like, I like that. Because it's... It's it's like, it's not too like oh blown up, but it's also not like diminishing. It's just that that's that's like a nice word, conquer. I like that. You know, it makes me feel manly. I, I think it. Well, you 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 what's it called? You you use it for your own ends. You figured out how to make it suit your needs rather than it being your whole thing. You're a comedian, but you used it to build a. Used it for you rather than it use you. Yeah, actually, that that's uh, that's really great insight. That's because if you're not careful, it, it can end up using you. And there's been times where it it did kind of like use me, and I lost power over the tool, and then the tool took control over me for a bit. You know, like it it uh, you get insecure, you get weird, and you know. But it's all it's all a process going through it. How, how so? How um. One thing I want to say about that is how did you, so when you got big and you built a following there, 
how do you handle all the bullshit? Like, how do you ignore all the crap, like, people sending comments? I mean, you probably must be getting all sorts of dodgy DMs, some very nice offers, some very dodgy offers. But, I mean, how do you handle the bullshit and not let it get inside? Good question. At the beginning, uh, I responded to every single comment, including the ones that would blow up. So I'm, ta I'm, I'm talking like, I would sit there for, like, over an hour, and just respond to hundreds of comments and like craft customized roasts back, which is fucking ridiculous. It, like to the point where TikTok wouldn't let me respond to con It would say you've exceeded your, the, the amount of comments you can respond. You know what I mean? And then for like 24 hours or something. And I'd be like, oh, you fucking God, they're gonna think I'm a fucking bitch. Cause I didn't, by the way, I've been cussing a lot. Is that okay? My bad. Yeah, no worries. Do okay. As much as you want. Yeah, I was like, man, I cuss a little. I want to get excited. Anyways, and then I was just, I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till they, till they let me start responding again. Uh, and then, because I wanted to, to me, it was like, oh, I'm going to prove to people that they can't get to me. But the funny thing is, the more you do that, it like eats away at you. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm human, everybody. Even, what is it? Uh, Joe Rogan and Kevin Hart, they talked about how they just ignore those comments. But so anyways, so then it went from that to um, I learned to kind of ignore them, you know, because and here's the funny thing. The comments that would bother me were the comments that weren't that bad. So when they were like, oh, you, they make fun of me for like being Asian or some other stupid shit. I'm like, all right, whatever. But then this one guy said. Only one guy said this. He said, "The top of your your head looks like a mountain." And then, and I was like, what is, "What is he talking about?" So watch, check this out. I went to the mirror and and then I looked at this and I'm like, "He's right, like right here, like a mountain emoji." Because you know, there's like a snow cap, and it made me insecure for like four months. So I wouldn't, I would like, because I always have my head tilted up like this, but then it makes it mountainy. So then I put it down, so it's like more even, and that one fucked me up. And that's not even like a bad one. You, you see what I'm saying? So then, then I ignored comments for a while. And then, then like I had a journal about it and I'm like, you know, it's not a big deal. Ha ha, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I had to go through this whole like self, like introspective thing on my own. And now I'm at the point where you realize people only say things in, co in comments because uh, of how they feel. Hmm. Right. And 95% of them don't even have an actual profile photo. So they're anonymous people. So what I learned is when you get comments like that and it affects you, your brain, because you're reading them in your mind, your brain is misconstruing that as an actual thought of your own. So okay. that's what then you start to believe it. Even though you're logically saying, oh, it's not like that. Hey, it's just a comment. But it still eats at you if you don't know how to truly separate the two like between your own thoughts your identity who you are versus somebody like people saying things to you so it's a bit like um like the, we spoke about joe rogan beforehand but one of the interesting guests he's had on was guy Ritchie, and he said this little quote about being the master of your own kingdom and he says that yep, what's yep. it called the world's trying to with the razzmatazz if you're going to put your eggs in your your basket controlling what you think of yourself 
then you're in a much better position than all the all the bullshit. Is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah, and actually, that's where I'm at now. But it took it was a long journey, you know, because a lot of people. Um, by the way, I love that. I love well, everything Guy Ritchie said, and that was just phenomenal. You know? Yeah, it was um, incredible. So yeah, being the master of your own kingdom that that is important because uh, I don't say that specifically, but I say you got to be good with you. If you're good with you, if you worked on your demons or you're still like working on them and you are facing your your internal self, you're right? Instead of just like ignoring it, then you become stronger. And the more you master yourself, the more you understand the way your brain works, what makes you tick, what, what gets you going, what makes you, uh, it's just everything. Then you can understand people even more, which yeah. is why things don't really bother me like they used to, because I understand myself so I can understand them. Because humans yeah. aren't that different, really, at the core of it, you know? We, what, what would you, so um, from that question there, what would you say, so we're not that, we all share emotions, but are you saying that, is that what you're getting at? We all share the same emotions, but perhaps it's the way we act around those that are different. A bit of that, but also I'm talking like human nature. Okay. We all get jealous. We all get insecure. We all want power in our own way for, you know, whatever that power, whatever your reason may be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether to like quell your insecurities of feeling like you're not enough or something. You know, if you really break down why you got to how you think about something, like reverse yeah. engineering and it yeah. always goes back to childhood then you can really see everybody kind of like oh they're acting like that because of some shit they went through as a kid and, and I, I would practice this too i would uh when I'm, people would say something stupid to me i'd be like oh it's because of this that right and they'd be like yeah. uh or i would say something like you uh uh you didn't have this in your family or you didn't have blah, blah, or, or you had this and they would be like, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's why I think, I, I think that is why I do that. I think so. So I would test these things out. I would like make little statements. And then okay. that was like, kind of like uh, me being in the field and having case studies. And that's when I realized that we are all very similar. Now, of course, you know, people do crazy shit, you know, like killing and stuff, but I'm not talking about those, but just, you know, just the core, like average people most people okay and one of the things is you're saying about how you got to that place there one of the reasons you got into comedy was quite an interesting story in terms of getting yourself out of your shell and the right mindset was a tony robbins concert is that right that was a part of it there was there was a lot that pushed me to get to here but that was a a, a part of it yeah yeah, it was. Um, it was just, you know, just fucking. Yeah, it was a lot of shit. And what was the? How did? How did you get and do your first gig? Did you look around online, like freemics.com in LA or San Francisco, San Diego, and it was just going from there? Or what was it? Did your friends say, "Yo, you're the funny guy, Mike"? Um, I did get that a lot because I was 
like the funny guy, you know. Um, people would say, "Oh, you should be an actor, or you should, you know, you're funny. You say like crazy shit." And I'm like, "Do I?" And uh, I was in college my last year, and then there was an open mic, and I did it because I wanted to know: Are people laughing at me just because they like me, or am I actually funny? Because I couldn't tell. I really wanted to know, you know. So then I had a, I had an open mic. I had to know, because I don't. Nobody wants to live in. There's a point where, it's like you don't want to just be in the illusion. You wanna, you want actual feedback of, am I really this thing? Yeah, and that's why I did it. My first open mic, at least. And how how was it? What was the what was the feeling of before you got on stage? And then when you got on stage and you performed and got a good feedback that made you keep doing it. Man, before I went up, I, uh, I think I was like number 13 on the list. <clears throat> and I, I, I literally thought I was going to die. Like I thought, no joke. I thought I was going to shit myself, piss myself, throw up, pass out. I thought I had a fever. I thought I was going to get a nosebleed. Like simultaneously. I never felt like that in my life never and then i went to the bathroom eight times and went over to urinal to try to pee because i thought i had to pee and i just stand there just looking at my fucking shriveled shriveled up dick like what the fuck is why, why can't i pee i thought i have to pee and i go to the mirror look at my armpits i'm like fuck am i sweating get the paper towels fucking do that look in the mirror just <laughs> like i did it eight <laughs> times back and forth back and forth back and forth and then and then uh the, the guy before me gets off and the host is like all right, coming up, coming up next. He's a really funny guy. I'm like, I just met you. What the fuck are you talking about? Who, how do you know who I am? You know, because I don't know how they do things. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what the fuck? He's like, Mike can. And then, um, then I start walking. And then as soon as one foot touched the stage, all that shit dissipated. And then I, it was an out-of-body experience. And fortunately, I had somebody record it. And I ended up doing, for my first mic, looking back on it, I did it extremely well. And, and it was like, there was actually college students just watching. It was like 30 people, you know, they were okay. laughing. And, I, and then, uh, but then the mics after that, I ate, ate shit. Cause I got spoiled by the first one and I went to actual mics where it's just other comedians. And, oh. and because, yeah. And then and it, I had like four mics or something after that. And then I quit because my ego couldn't handle it. You know, like, so I quit for a couple of years. So that's why I don't even really count that. Um, you know. Did you start off in like the LA, or did you start off in one of the smaller ones? LA. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a it's a funny thing, isn't it? In like a lot of the smaller cities, like you start off, but like in LA and New York, it's you're getting the. I mean, the, the good point is you learn quicker because you're getting the best comics in America, but. It, it, it's so savage <laughs> dude yeah yeah especially before covid man people were fucking mean like really mean i had no friends and i had to toughen up you know I, i'm actually grateful for that i had no friends because the turnover rate's so high and i mean we know how it is people come and go but also so people don't want to invest but at the same time it's super clicky like they click up like crazy and then it was it was a lonely time, but I uh, I just 
I kept going. You know, I hit like 300 fucking mics my first year. I just kept getting on stage because I was like, I'm going to make them respect me. And what was the point where you felt like you were, you was it, so once you did 300, what it sounds like, was it the point you were, you, you didn't give a fuck anymore? And you could just go out there and do it. Yeah. 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 That was like, I just, the way I would gauge my progress, because I wasn't getting booked my first year. I think I did, I got one show literally just one show and well but then i started producing my own show at west side comedy theater and that one's it's not like a top top club but it's known you know like adam sandler had part of his netflix special on it and okay. you know dave Chappelle and other people have you know go there uh so i would produce a show there so like monthly so that was my stage time but i, I didn't really get booked um but then the way i would gauge my progress was how I don't get as affected by if I'm not doing well. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I would beat myself up if I didn't get, and it's an open mic, but in your mind, you have to laugh, you know, cause you don't really get it at first. But then, um, when I, when I started to feel myself care less and less, yeah, that was progress to me because how can it be funny if you care about it? eating shit because you give all the power to them so you can't even be yourself you yeah know, right so that was my gauge in the very beginning of that and then i would just start saying whatever the fuck i wanted i just got annoyed i'm like why do i care about these fucking people who are you why am i being a little bitch because i'm not like I, I wasn't like that in person outside the stage but on stage I, it's like a reverted to a teenage boy you know you're a bit like um and also i mean you did it because you like making people laugh rather than comics themselves. Yeah, yeah, but when when all you can do is open mics, you you yeah. it's like it's like it forces <laughs> you to you have to go through this whole like existential crisis. You know, like you, just every day I, I, I was like I was like, I want to quit. I want to quit. What the fuck? And and I like, no, I would scream to myself driving like, Are you a fucking bitch? Are you a pussy? <laughs> like don't you fucking pussy go kill yourself because I, I was gonna hang myself before i started doing this that's why like i decided to pursue my dreams because i was gonna fucking off myself so then i'll be like then you should fucking kill yourself so i had to do that in the beginning to spur myself forward I, I you know um and i mean i don't have to do that now obviously but i had to do that in the beginning and yeah one of the yeah, one of the things I've noticed is, I mean, did you do a lot of Zoom mics when they came on, or were you like, nah, fuck that shit? <laughs> nah, dude, I think I did, I think I did one, I think I did one mic in a one show, and I, and I was like, I'm, man, I'm not fucking doing this. I'm not <laughs> doing this again. Uh, and actually, we had a lot of, I don't know what, what to call it, but like underground mics and shows, like we weren't really supposed to. This is when people were really scared at the height of it. And, and this was in Orange County, because okay. in that area, they didn't, they were more open. Oh, LA was like afraid of all. The, oh, my God. Back then, you know, so then we would fucking like have a show here and there and then have open mics out there because people, everybody else was really afraid. And we were like, fuck it. We need to do this. Let's just risk getting COVID. Who cares? Hmm. You know, and that that kept it 
I think that kept us like mentally alive, but there was nothing for a, a good amount of months hmm. before that. But how how has it sort of changed now? I mean, like you've, I mean, you're now that you've got a big following and like gigs are returning. I mean, it's it's put you in quite a good position in a way, isn't it? Because no matter what, if you capitalize on this, you you have the don't give a fuck. You have the don't give a fuck actually now, but you have a fan base, and if you wanted to, you could just do form shows to your own fans, couldn't you? That sort of number. I mean. Here's how it is. When it comes to numbers on social media, like for fans to actually come out on a consistent basis, you have to be way bigger than I am. Now, if I did a call to action and I'm like, hey, this is important, like come out. Or if I'm in a different state, people do want to see me in different states and stuff, but it's not what people think, at least where, my, where I'm at currently. Okay. You know, and also, also, I try. I don't really like pushing a bunch of other people's shows like that too much, because you know, I they're just it's just stage time to me, and I'm not trying to bring a bunch of fans out to that stuff. But um, but but you are right in terms of that added to the don't give a fuck attitude, because yeah. at the end of the day, it made me realize. Look, here, here here's what here's what TikTok did for me. Um, the thing that also got me more of a following was yeah. during lockdown, I would post up throwaway jokes, like jokes that I thought was funny, but I considered them throwaway because I was like, oh, it's not really like hitting as hard as I thought, or I didn't get, I didn't have enough stage time to really try it out. Yeah. But then I post them, like just me talking and saying it. And then they will go viral, like pretty consistently. Oh, okay. So then, so it's like people that put you on shows, they're the gatekeepers, right? Yeah. But by me posting these videos on TikTok and then getting millions of views and like a, thousands of people comments that tell me that they like, like it and think it's funny and it's relatable, yeah. I bypassed every gatekeeper. And also, it was like being on a digital stage in front of hundreds of thousands to millions of people. And that validated it for me to where it gave me a, a level of confidence of, I am funny. Now, those are I know that the mediums are different, digital versus stage. I get that. But a full-on, it's just me talking. Yeah. And stand-up is like that. So once that happened and then things opened up again, that confidence translated directly to stage. And then I tried those same jokes that actually hit like that at shows. And then they worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like, like I said, I didn't really get to try them too much, certain some of those jokes. But they were thought in my mind. I'm like, I think this is funny. I think this makes sense. You know, because it's, it's hard to tell if a joke really, really works unless you really get to try it out or like a specific demographic sometimes too, right? But you just need to use the, the more you can like throw it out there to people wise, numbers wise, you can, then you can really find out. So that's what TikTok did for me. And that's when I was like, no, nah, like I have a very long way to go on still in terms of, uh, you know, like how funny I really want to be. Like, we're all working on it. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I'm like, 
I mastered it. I haven't. But what, no. what I am saying is it, it validated that I do belong. That's what it did okay. for me. You know? Yeah. So on top of that, did you, did you, what's going on? Is there? that too loud? No. Can you hear that? I can hear it faintly, but it's nothing major. Okay. Okay. Well, what, so when they do the TikTok lives, did you do the jokes there as well? Or? Um, they wanted me to. When people would watch me. Um, so I wouldn't really do those specific jokes, but I would just practice um, being vulnerable, being very okay. honest and transparent, and then having that uh, energy at the same time. Okay. Which is what we practice on stage as well, too. And then they could, people would tell me they could feel the, it's like they, they feel like I'm with them. Like yeah. I, they feel like I'm there. And that okay. also taught me something too, because you're just looking at a phone and you have to, it's just a fucking phone. You don't have the actual human energy and the, the no. vibe of, of the stage and the room to go off of. It's just you in the, in a room alone. So that was also training for me too. So essentially for those months where we weren't doing anything, no standard shit, I was getting stage time technically. Cause I will go live. I will go live six to eight hours a day. No, because we had nothing to fucking do. We were stuck inside. Nobody was outside. <laughs> Remember nobody was driving no, nothing when it was really bad. So I would post videos every day and go on live. So it was like, it was like, I kept training myself without realizing I was actually training myself. Okay. Yeah. So is, you're giving me a few thoughts there now with well, one of the things, and I was supposed to, what, what do you think led to you being able to sort of get to the position of getting that following and others sort of not getting there? And also, have you heard of the Grateful Dead, the music band? Yeah, I've heard of the band, Grateful Dead. Yeah, but their, their marketing technique was very um, guerrilla in a way, isn't it? Like running lots of concerts, giving lots of merchandise, building a real sort of community in a very sort of slow, gradual way, um, rather than like what you see now of TikTok, YouTube and all that. You post a couple of videos, you, you post videos here and there, and it goes viral. What are your thoughts yeah. on like building it that way? and then doing it on like social media. Mm, I think on social media, you, you can do it a similar way as well. Okay. You know, Cause some people, they blow up really quickly doing, there's a lot of dumb shit. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But then, I mean, I do a lot of dumb shit too, but when I say dumb shit, I just mean like fake pranks and all that stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. But then, but then some of those guys get so big, they can pivot and then do something else because they already have that fan base. So, you know, um, no hate on them, but I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I could have done that, but I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. So I told myself I'd rather have a slower growth based off of like who I am, because the formula now is do one thing and then just keep doing that thing. Yeah. You know, like 
like a fucking like a shtick like you, you have like one song and then you keep doing the same song and then like there's this guy who has one song that always plays or something and then he dresses in different outfits and there's like a little caption above it i don't know they all do that shit now and then that helps them kind of blow up a bit but then that that has diminishing returns after a while in terms of the like if if, if i know it fucks with the creator's mind because you don't even know what you're really worth and you don't even know how to create after that because you didn't work on that muscle. So to me, I have more longevity because I'm doing whatever the fuck I want to do. Even though people like people that have a bigger following than me that I'm friends with, they're like, you got to niche it up and blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I tried doing that and I fucking hated it and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I don't know. Like, so for me, the, the thing and I didn't what got me a following was me being extremely vulnerable and being myself. You know, just me talking about sharing things like the confessions of a former fuckboy. I was just sharing how I used to use fucked up like psychological tactics to manipulate women. <laughs> you know, like I did that because I, I shared that because I thought, well, because um, I was posting a video a day and I was just I was like, I don't know what to talk about. So I, I, I thought, how can I help people and then just share myself? So I had a ton of girls that I'm friends with ask me the same questions about guys. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've done, they're like, how do you know he's manipulating or doing that to me? And I'm like, well, because I did that. And it was like the <laughs> same thing for each girl. There was like a, like five different things that guys do that every girl fell for over and over. And I was like, well, I've done that shit. So I just shared it. And then that like fucking blew up like crazy, like, like fucking crazy. And then, and then people started emulating that actually. Then you see like people talking about how they were a fuck girl and, things like because that wasn't a thing on tiktok yet you know so i accidentally created like a, a unique niche thing by just being myself you, you see what i'm getting at and then i started doing other videos where just that i thought was funny that i with my humor that i posted on instagram for years that nobody really cared about you know so okay. it's like you get you I was getting rewarded for being that weird, goofy, eccentric guy that people used to demonize when I was growing up. If that makes sense. And and it mixed with the vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. I which I'm guessing is missing a lot in LA. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stereotype <laughs> is actually there's a lot of that going on. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the virtual signaling. Uh, well, virtual signaling, signaling sometimes scares me. <laughs> oh, I hate that shit. It, pisses it scares me the off. shit, man. <laughs> it scares you? That gets me a bit more worried. I'm worried about what they're going to do next. <laughs> the... Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of virtual signaling and acting like they care but they really don't i mean you know there's people in these social movements um that like i'll just talk about the asian community just to be specific yeah there's people in the asian community that have some power that i know want fucked up shit to continue to happen because they capitalize on it because they just virtue signal say yeah we gotta do this we gotta do that they're not doing shit, but they get rewarded for it. We should, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They appear like it's like you've seen a lot of Hollywood films, like the villain 
appears like he's on the other side whilst he's actually working for for I, I remember there was a cartoon I watched and this is a long time ago Stennis Menace is a popular cartoon and the guy was supposed to be a rat inspector and then they found out that he was actually a rat and that's why they didn't caught any rats <laughs> it's a daft cartoon yeah, it's, it's, like <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that right it is it is like 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 we should fix this but they're like no we shouldn't fix this because this actually gives us money we like this we like the problems right now but we'll just tell everybody we don't really want the problems right and then you know you know there's a lot of that going on everywhere i mean leading on to that about like asian community both of us i mean if people saw us we can tell that they were definitely asian in some aspects and we're west western and asian and uh, yeah wait are you half asian Yes, how did you know? <laughs> because I didn't even think you were Asian until you said that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, because uh, you know, the it's it, Zoom is kind of a little, you know, it's not super like the most clear. But now that you say that, I'm like, fuck, you got Asian facial hair. I tell you what, mate, it's a bit of a strange thing. I went to New York and they thought I was bloody Spanish, and sometimes when I'm I Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, I, I can blend in both. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went around trying to fly for some of the gigs I run, and they said that I was white. But I, I mean, it's a bit like, I, I'm, there's no way in hell that I'm white. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were white, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. But again, it's it might be because, like, you know, fucking the cameras for the, whatever Zoom shit's just kind of more, more grainy. So I feel like yeah. if I saw you in person, I would be able to see the Asian more. Because now that I'm looking for the Asian, I see the Asian. <laughs> I see it. I see. It. What is it? What are you? Uh, uh, what is it? Chinese? Half English, Chinese? Irish, and Chinese. English, Irish, and Chinese. I feel like there's a lot of people in the UK that are like, if, if they're half Asian, it's uh, a lot of Chinese. I feel like. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I know, but there are a lot of half Asians in the UK. Oh, there's a lot oh. Oh. of Filipinos, Thais. Chinese, um, the yeah, all of them. The, the one thing that does annoy me though with that sort of thing, I interviewed um, a Thai comic for, and she's in the UK, but <sighs> one thing that irritates me sometimes is she said to me, Oh, you think I'm from eBay, don't you? As if to say, like, she's a male or the bride, but it's a bit like, Why would I say that? I'm bloody mixed race. My mom's Chinese and my dad's English and Irish. What? Well, what, what, in what world would I, and like, you're trying to appease other people by putting our race down in a way with that sort of joke. And I don't like that. Wait, why did she, she just said that to you? Yeah. She said, Oh, I don't know you, you think, you think I'm from eBay, don't you? Like what the fuck? I, I interviewed her. She's, she's Thai. And she's yeah. saying that there's a stereotype that sometimes go around about Thai women going with white men and all that. And yeah, like, that's true. I don't know for her to say that sort of joke is like why would i think that when i'm sort of the offspring of a white guy and a chinese lady it's a bit i don't know what i'm making that no well she's saying that because she uh um feels insecure about how people perceive her and if anything is she dating a white guy yes <laughs> there, right there you go see because she's dating white guys uh because there's a partly or maybe a large part of it is because she wants to feel more white 
which is why she made a yeah. joke about oh because uh you think i'm an ebay bride don't you because you know it stems from if you reverse engineer that it stems from that insecurity if she doesn't like being asian because why else would you say that and then date white guy yeah, at the same time that. you know if you piece that together yeah I, that's exactly what came through my head when she said that yeah. and it's a bit like yeah i don't know it's a who gives a fuck i, I i've always sort of thought of it and people sometimes put race about this and that about certain characteristics but who gives a shit what color you are like we're all the bloody same it's just it's just fucking wallpaper <laughs> no you're right you're right and that goes to the human nature thing that's you know then you can look past the it's the fucking the way the mainstream media and whatever everything's trying to separate us but at the core of it dude we're just you're right this this is just the outside of the house but the inside of the house in terms of uh for the most part it's all got chairs and tables and a kitchen and a bathroom. You know. It's, I mean, one of the things that is, uh, one of the thing that does surprise me a bit, and one thing that my dad always says is that people bully their own race. And I think one thing I do see is that I don't like is I see a bit of racism from different races towards each other. Like I went to LA. And I saw some comic say talking about bums and saying that Asians had the worst bums, and I was a bit like, "What? <laughs> what? Asians have the worst bums?" Yeah, like, I don't know where that came from. It was in in LA comedy Mike, and I was a bit like, "Where did you get that from? Did you look at every woman's ass in the entire world and seen that? How are you meant to know that?" And then, uh, yeah, and then you hear sort of racism from like. Some people that I know from Asia saying this about this race, or I hear some other races saying it about our lot, and it's a bit like, as you said, dividing us. It is like you should know better. <laughs> yeah, no, there there was a lot of the the stereotype of Asian women not having you know the booty and shit, but that tells me that uh, they haven't had enough experience because I, I could say otherwise. But uh, but but also it's like you know a lot of. I find a lot of these comedians just kind of regurgitate basic stereotypes when they have absolutely no experience in it. And I can see right through it. And that's what annoys me more than anything. Going back to the authenticity and vulnerability thing. Like stop acting like you know about something when you don't really know about it and stop acting like you're somebody else and just taking other people's thoughts. What are your fucking thoughts? Yeah. That, that's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, the, the the one thing that really shocks me as well. What's this the bloody dick thing? That people say, like, "How do you fucking know that? Did you get a picture or something? What what's what's where, where did that come from? It just sounds like something come from that. Sounds like something from a girl that had a bad breakup with an Asian has just spreaded it round to people, and they've been stupid enough to believe it. Yeah, yeah, that thing. I don't know where it came from, but that is the bane of every Asian man's existence. You know, until we work through that, to because that fucked me up. It ma it literally made me think I had a small penis for the longest time. You know, <laughs> and it, and it, it it lowered my confidence, and I had a hard time talking to women before for a long time actually, until like I worked through that. Um, so I don't know, and then, and then, other guys, you know, you're, we're always gonna get jokes like that, and I had this dude fucking keep talking about my dick. I was on a set for a show. And he just kept would talk about it around me, like, because your dick, uh, you know, you, you you can't even get in a girl or whatever. And then one day I was just like, look, man, 
you talk about my dick. And there was like a lot of guys around us watching. I'm like, you talk about my dick a lot. And I can tell you're very curious about it. You think about it all the time. Because why else <laughs> you talk about it like that? If you want, I can show it to you. I can show it to you right now if you want to see. Like, we can go off to the side. It's cool. You're straight. I'm straight. It's fine. It's whatever. We're bros. I will show you my penis. And he's like, no, 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 man. I'm like, no, 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 no. You talk about my dick every day. I will show you my dick because you want that. I will. He's like, no, no, man. I'm not. I'm not like that. I'm not. I'm like, you sure? He's like, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he never brought it up again. I'm just like, if you want to see, if you, if you're that, why are guys so obsessed at penis size? I'm, so right. So that like, why if you're talking about it that much you're visualizing what my dick looks like you know what i mean so yeah the whole stereotype's fucked fucked up it's stupid as fuck i, I want to hear a non-hacky joke in it from from an asian on it because i've heard quite a few times some an asian comic say that but it's always the same troop i want to hear something like what you said there where they've made it something in unique angle of it that that tells the truth on the matter <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and I used to fucking, I used to say this to girls, uh, um, I used to tell girls I had a small penis, I don't, but I just wanted to, because I thought it'd be funny, and then it, there's times it got me laid, because they wanted, they were curious, they're like, no, they're not, is it really, why would you say that, is it, is it, is it Daniela, is it really that small, Daniela, and I would say, dude, it's so small, I have, I have to scissor a woman, I have to scissor them, you know, like lesbian scissor, yeah. I would say that. I'm like, yeah, it's like rubbing two fucking clits on each other. It's, oh my God, it's so small. It's so small. I was like, let me just own it. Let me just fucking play around with it. Who cares? Because the more you fight it, you know, and you try to defend it, the more it look, it seems like you have a small penis, right? That's why I would, I used to joke about it. And now I'll, I'll just do that. I'm like, dude, you, if you really want to see my dick, every guy's like, no, nah, man, no, nah, man. No, 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 no. Because I don't give a fuck. I'll fucking, I'll show you my dick. Because you want, you want it? But I, I mean, I don't want, I don't have to show my dick because that's going to be kind of like weird, but, but I will just to prove a point. Then I'll be like, see, you're the one that wanted to see my dick. I, you know, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And then, then they found that mine was bigger than his way. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually when it's flaccid, it's, it's pretty not not impressive because I'm a grower, so it's not <laughs> not that great. It's not that great, but uh, but I don't give a fuck. But but because I know I'm a grower and I know the true potential of what I have, <laughs> fuck it, fuck <laughs> it. Who gives a shit? Whatever, man. I don't care. Everybody's this whole like dick size thing, and uh, I don't know, man. It's it, it's it's like the older I get, the more I just see how ridiculous the male ego is with with all this it's so dumb it doesn't matter it is it is what it is eh? but i think i mean there's one thing that i'm i'm intrigued to see is what happens in like next 10 20 years or so in regards to like people say oh they want to see a black james bond i want to see a bloody asian james bond (laughs) yeah or an asian president who knows what's going to happen? Because there is, a, I think there is a bit more Asians getting into the performing arts and getting more sort of creative and doing all these different things. So it's, I'm intrigued to see what will happen next 10, 20 years. I think there'll be a big change of some of that. I agree. I agree, especially as there's more, uh, you know, Asian kids being born natively in the countries, right? Yeah. UK, America, where, wherever the fuck outside of Asia. Um, and the internet's helped a lot, 
because I noticed mm. a huge uptick and especially like like TikTok helped big time. I, I noticed that because there wasn't many agents speaking their mind or posting content when I started posting it. Okay. And then more and more and more agents, agents are doing it and, you know, they're getting braver because they're seeing other agents do it. So that helped a lot versus, yeah. you know, like Hollywood and all that. There's not a lot still. No. So it, um, that, that's the beauty of the Internet. I, I think it really empowered um, a lot of Asian people. Yeah, and definitely has helped BTS become a bloody big band, doesn't it? <laughs> oh man, dude, BTS. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that helps. That helps. That helps every Asian. A lot, a lot more girls that are not Asian are getting into like Asian stuff. So it's helping us. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'll I'll take it. I don't give a shit. Even if you're not Korean, just be like, if you think I remind you of a Korean? I don't. Let's go. Who cares? Oh, you can. I'm BTS's manager. Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like the fucking uh, the bartender. That's what I do. I'm, I'm the bartender and shit. Because it's no different than, you know, like people got mad at me over a video about how I said I want to be fetishized. I'm like, yeah, fetishize me. I don't give a fuck. Like it turned into the whole thing. It got on like Neck Shark News. It was crazy. Like people went, it was fucking, I was like, how is this, how is this a thing? Why are people freaking out over this? You know, because they turned it into a whole, well, because Asian women get killed because of the fetish fetishization i'm like i'm not talking about asian women i'm talking about asian men because nobody wants us but now they want us because of the korean shows and bts and everything right um so i'm like yeah fucking if you want like let's go let's go man i don't care if you're if i remind you of a one punch man or the old man from squid games let's go yeah let's see what happens <laughs> it's but it's 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 incredible, isn't it? What what they've achieved, like the they don't even they know a bit of English, but to be worldwide, like they've achieved, my god! Yeah, at that level, dude, their fan base is rad, like hardcore. If you talk shit about BTS, they will, their fans will dox you and attack you and ruin your your like fucking Google rating for your show or whatever. Like they are. I'm more afraid of BTS fans than like getting into a physical altercation. You know what I mean? Honestly, you know, I mean, I, I actually genuinely do like some of their songs. I don't listen to them a lot, but there was like fake love was pretty cool. But, but dude, I've never seen any fan base as rabid as BTS. Like they are die hard, die hard, man. It's next level. You should look into it. If you don't know about it, you should look into it. I, I I I've looked into it a little bit, and I've just been intrigued by like what they've done, and like the, I, I've seen a couple of videos as well with like, the singing and the dancing and the amount of work they put in, and the the sh the the effort they put in, and how slick it is. Is you know even if you're not into their music, you can admire their hard work and the, the slickness of what they do. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's something that we you, we can kind of implement in our own small way and with what we do. You yeah. know, just professionalism and just seeing what it can happen if you just if you just keep going. Also, at the same time, you, you just keep being consistent and all. Um, how old are you, by the way? You look really young underneath the facial hair. 28. <laughs> ah, fuck. It's because you got that Asian blood. You're it's not as it, young as I thought. It's the thing, isn't it, with being Asian? We look proper young. I mean, I, I reckon me and you could get to 40 or 50 and we'd probably look look 
30. <laughs> I think so, but I don't have the best teeth. Like, my two front teeth are chipped from doing a lot of drugs and, like, I have an overbite. So I feel like by the time I'm 40 or 50, they're going to – I'm going to have no front teeth. So so I'm going to have to give, like, uh, implants or something. <laughs> yeah. Just so my teeth, teeth will give it away. Hide the yeah, teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my teeth. Then I got a lot <laughs> – you know the people that don't like their teeth, they go <laughs> – when they laugh, they hide it. <laughs> they do that shit. Do do Ross and Friends stuff. Pretend you're a good listener. <laughs> hmm? Have you seen that episode in Friends where Ross hides his bright teeth? No, no, no. no. I, I haven't seen many Friends episodes. Oh, okay. um, I, yeah, I was watching a lot of the black sitcoms on TV when I was growing up. They are pretty awesome. I, I, I it's, it's, I liked it. I mean, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air there was terrific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I've heard about what my wife and kids, but I've only seen a couple of episodes here and there. Oh, my wife and kids is really funny. Damon Wayans, I mean, he's one of the OGs in uh, stand up comedy as well. Um, but how'd you get into stand up? How did I get into stand up? Oh, I just saw it in a local university. My last year of uni, I saw it in a university newspaper about stand-up. And then um, someone gave it a go at a local open mic. And I thought, I'll give it a go. I was, I tend to be the funniest one in my group. So I just went, went there, gave it a go. It went quite well. Then the others didn't go too well. And So we basically had the same thing. Last year of university, we saw an open mic. We did the open mic. First one went well. Next one's going to go as well. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. But I, I can imagine our styles are probably very different now. I reckon mine's quite surreal and a bit uh, Leslie Nielsen. You know the guy from The Naked Gun? That's probably my... Yeah, yeah. I'm similar to that, but a bit more deadpan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is kind of the UK humour too, isn't it? A bit. We are a bit drier than Americans. It's um, we, we're a bit more. Some of our stuff is a bit. I mean, I've I've been to America a little bit, but it's a bit more wackier. Like we allow for things like character acts. Um, we we do a lot of musical acts. Um, a lot of we 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 do a lot of magic acts. But I noticed in America, it's a little bit more sort of strict and stat straight stand-up focus but i know there's a few mixes as well like you got bo burnham i know i had uh, matt kershin or something he was a poet and a comedian mm, mm, yeah yeah but i i'm i'm getting more curious about that you know your your, your guys's humor and stuff too because i've been watching uh ricky gervais's afterlife i've been binging it that is one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life afterlife. he is no, he's he's very good. I like the fact that he's still who he is because quite a few comics have been cancelled and they've they've changed themselves, but he's still doing his own thing. I respect the fuck out of that. He, I do. He is good. No, he's very good. He's he's one of the best out there. I mean, yeah, I think there's one thing I think we'll probably share also is that there is a lot of incredible comics some of them are even funnier than the ones that are famous but also i mean if someone's famous a lot of the times they deserve it i'm not going to say anything more against it but there are a lot of also incredible ones that aren't on tv or famous yeah that's true like some of the funniest comedians i've met that 
I think are, I've met comedians, well, I'll talk about one in particular. He went up before uh, um, this one comedian, I forgot his name, but fucking, he's like one of Joe Rogan's friends and he's super famous. And he was featuring, my friend was featuring for him before, okay. well, before we became friends and he, he crushed, he crushed so hard that the headliner, like fucking uh, Rogan's friend, didn't do that well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think he, that guy's funny too. But, but man, he, I was like, who the, I was like, who is that guy? He's hilarious. And nobody knows who he is. But he's been in the game for 20 years. You know. What's the name of the comic? Because we got a few legends in the UK scene as well. Yeah. Willis Turner. Willis Turner. Okay. Yeah. Willis Turner. He's fucking funny, man. He's he's great at what he does. He's really great at what he does. Who who are sort of comics that that are in the sort of LA circuit that have been going around like Willis Turner, so like 30, 40 years, maybe even before the Comedy Store, that are very funny, but are very are, are characters in a way. They don't give a shit about being on TV. They don't give a shit about this and that. But they're very much they say it as it is. They're brilliant and they they yeah they they're themselves in a way. I would say um, Ron Ron Jossel. He's a Filipino. Okay. He started he started with Russell Peters back in Canada, okay. but he stays in America now. Well, he's been in America for a while now, but he's been in, doing it thirty years or so, something like that. And he only cares about stand. He loves stand up. That's all he cares about, and okay. he's hilarious. And he says what he says whatever he wants to say. Now he's not like doing Ricky Ricky Gervais type stuff, but he speaks his mind when he when he wants to, and he's not worried about, you know, being him. And I think in this day and age, we as stand-up comedians are fighting to retain our sense of self. Yeah. Because the world essentially wants us to shut the fuck up, which is going completely against our art and who we are. It, yeah. they, it, the world wants to tell us who to be and how to be and what what to be you know um that's what i learned from that cancel attempt where uh, it was ridiculous the amount of people that came at me really i was like dude no it became a thing you could look it up like fucking um um a bunch of people made like responses to it uh and then people were like you know, it had nothing to do with Asian women, but they made it about Asian women. You know, okay. and then I'm, I'm like, but what about Asian men suffering? What about what we go through? What about how we're diminished constantly? And, yeah. and, and a lot of the hate was coming from our own people. They were shitting on me and they were talking shit to me. You're fucking, you look like a doorknob. You fucking incel. You desperate bit, you know, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> they were attacking me over like a simple comedy video about how I want to be fetishized to help. And that was my own way to empower Asian men. Like, no, it's our time, guys. It's our time. There was like a level and it wasn't even like that deep of a level. It's like, no, it's clear. But people changed the message of it. Right. Okay. And and, and, and that, it, it, I learned a lot from that experience of like, OK, well, no matter what we do, 
even people that we're trying to help are going to come at us. I mean, there was a lot of people that were on my side as well, but you can't, that, that's when I realized you can't try, you can't do it for other people. No, you can't. You're still going to help people by being you. It's just going to happen, but, but you will lose yourself if you, uh, you know, cause that actually did impact me a little bit. It bothered, it, it fucked me up a little bit for a little bit. Like at first it was really funny. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm like, this is crazy. And then for, I think a few weeks, it actually did affect me in, in, in terms of like me wanting to speak out and be me because it made me, feel, I, I felt betrayed by my own community. Because the person who started the movement was an Asian woman, but all her videos are about, she attacks everybody. It's all controversy. She like blows something up and caught, like spreads false shit. So I, I did my research on that. And that's when I was like, all right, you know, and then, and then it taught me a lot about how much people are, are in pain and suffering. So they just want to take that out on to feel like a sense of identity. Like they have a mission and purpose. So a yeah. lot of the suffering also comes from a lack of identity, a lack of, uh, they don't have a thing like, like their thing, you know what I mean? That keeps okay. them going. And those are were the ones that really came at me too. I realized it. And then I learned to develop like empathy towards them. And I, I'm like, you know what? I can't get mad. Cause that's the, the, the nature of the beast with the internet. That's what it is now. Talk shit, say some outlandish shit. You know, it's like being in a car and yelling, but times a hundred thousand because you're not there in a car. You're almost not, you're non anonymous. So you have this immense power you feel and you will, Nobody's ever come up to me in person and said shit to me. Okay. But on the internet, they'll all say that stuff. Yeah. But there's also a lot of good with it as well, too. So, you know, there's, there's both sides. Yeah. Hmm. At least you don't have to, at least, yeah. It's better. It would probably be worse if all of them, if a hundred people came and said it to you face to face, all those things they did. Online. Well, I could, I, it would be hilarious because not use that for content. And then, and then, and then I'd be able to actually uh hurt their feelings in person because like because the th here's the thing too i'm not i'm not like i'm not the biggest guy but i'm also not a small guy so if if you're really going to come at me for something it's it's got to be really important you know what i mean so yeah. they're not gonna they're gonna see me and they're not gonna say what they said on the internet they they never will they won't no and i know that and that's the biggest difference because it doesn't make them look good most of them on, online, they can say what they no, want. No, they're scared. They're scared. They're not going to do that. Most people are scared. That's why they do that, too, because that's why a lot of the Asians that did that as well. Let's face the facts. A lot of Asian people don't speak their mind. Because it's culture. Culturally. Okay. Like, if, if the ones that have uh, immigrant parents, they were shut down by their own parents, so they learned, they were taught to not really be outspoken so they're more submissive and you know they're kind of like right that culturally that is true so because of that frustration that they felt of a compound effect from childhood going into adulthood then they're like they take it out in that that format that medium hmm. of the internet because it's easier and that's what i recognize too and that's that's you know it's just but they're not going to come to me and say that because I didn't do anything to them. 
No. And they know that. They're not going to do that. We're, we're, and there's an interesting point that I want to ask here. Now, with being American and sort of... Now, with the surname, can I make a guess? And is it sort of Korean as well? Yeah. Kim. Uh, what, what, what would you notice, like, the key differences? You mentioned one already, but and how, do you, how what would you say each part of each culture has become of you? How have you melded them together? Ah, okay. So Korean and American? Yeah. So in terms of Korean, uh, what I have now is um, re respect for elders. Okay. You know, before... Well, okay, Korean culture is like, if they're older than you, you respect the fuck out of them. But no matter how stupid they are. But now I, I don't, like, I include my American side of, well, just because they're older doesn't mean I'm going to fucking respect you if you're a dumbass. But I'm still going to, you know, because, um, like, American culture, they don't really uh, value their elders so much. Really? Yeah, it's like people post videos about disrespecting old people and shit just because they think it's funny. Shit like that. Um, it's like you lose value as you get older, but I feel like in Korean culture, it's not it's not really like that. Like, you still got to show some respect, you know. Um, and then the... Here's what I think. I think, I think it was a blessing that I was raised the way I was and I, I was really shy and more quiet. Um, and then I had to become more American to survive. Like I had to learn how to be outspoken and get more aggressive and assertive, you know, cause I was very timid. I couldn't make eye contact with people in high school. I, I walked around with my head on the floor. So, you know, like with my backpack just on the floor, mm. couldn't talk to girls. I would start sweating in class if a girl, if a girl that was remotely cute was sitting next to me. In a, in a group project, I would sweat. My heart would be like, like that, you know? Oh. <laughs> so I had to learn how to be American. And I think those two combined, like the outspoken, like kind of brashness, and I like, I guess like, like louder confidence versus the more like quiet confidence that, you know, some people may have. Uh, I think those combined, the Korean and American helps helped a lot because then okay. I can talk to like anybody, literally anybody in any situation. And I think it helps in stand up too. I think so. Um, yeah. I don't get asked this question a lot. So like my brain's trying to figure it out as I'm talking to you, but, but there are benefits to both. I believe, I know, but I just can't really think about it right now. Hmm. No, that, that, that's cause that's, that's something that I've, cause when someone asked me, what am I? Or like, because I'm mixed race, I say I'm both. I'm not um, English or Chinese. I'm both. I'm not going to say that I'm one or the other. That's, I was sort of thinking that you had that sort of my, some bits of it as well. Oh, actually, that that's a good point too. So um, that that actually used to bother me. Uh, that, that actually used to feel like, like it used to tear me apart because I wasn't sure if I was more, if I was American or Korean, whatever. It was tough, you know, because it's like you don't a hundred percent belong, not a hundred percent to either 
right? You, it's a thing you always hear. I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. I'm not Korean enough. I'm not American enough. You know what I mean? I'm not Korean enough for Korean people. Yeah. I'm not American enough for American people. But then I, I, where I'm at now, my freedom, my peace of mind, my self-acceptance comes from being the best me. I'm just Michael. Okay. That, that literally, once I told myself I'm just me, it's like all that pressure to be something deep, like, cause sometimes we feel like we have to fit. If we say we're a certain identity, we feel like we have to do certain things to fit that. Yeah. You know, to prove that we are that. But then once I told myself, I'm just, dude, I'm literally just me. Yeah. I'm Korean. Yeah. I'm American. That's part of me, but that's not me. This is me, whatever the fuck this is. I'm just me. It, and that was relieving. It's a bit, have you, were you ever a fan of Game of Thrones? I haven't really watched it, but I feel like I would like it. But I love Lord of the Rings. I, I heard they're kind of similar-ish. A lot less porn and a, and a lot less literal graphics. But yeah. um, what, one of the so one of the characters in Game of Thrones is Theon Gravejoy, and he was he's originally a Gravejoy, but he was raised with the Starks. And he had an identity crisis because he had attachment to the Starks, but he was with the grave. He went back to the Gravejoys, and they told him, "You aren't a Gravejoy unless you attack the Starks." And he felt guilt. And then one of the guys says to him, "You're Gravejoy and you're a Stark," meaning that he was what, as you said, there you are what you are. I mean, who's who's the Lord of the Rings character that struggled to find their character themselves? Um, he's like you're the king i don't want no i'm not the king you yeah. are yeah like that i think yeah he, he well he sort of accepted it towards the third film didn't he he did but he went through this whole journey of you know going the complete opposite of that but then i think he included all aspects of himself as the king yeah. So maybe it's not like a hundred percent like what we're saying, but the other one you're saying that he's both. He's like, yeah. you need to fight that. Was he actually both? He yeah, he he loved bloodline. Both. Uh, no, his bloodline was a grave choice, but for some reason the Starks kidnapped him as a because he fought for the other side, but yeah. then the Starks took him as a child and looked after him, and oh. then. When he you know, was, you got to see them as pe as people and and started to love them. As yeah, well. yeah. Ah, I see, I see. Okay, so so then it's like, yeah, I'm both. Yeah, that that's. Yeah, and I feel like when you say you're both, but then then you like transcend that, and you're like, like you can't. You're like it's like under the umbrella of you. So you're both, but then there's like a level above that of me. I'm yeah. just me. And that's more freeing than anything I've discovered. And that's when I, I care less about trying to prove I'm something. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it meant 
what's it called with it one of the things what we said about bts and some of these bands one of the things that they aren't doing is they aren't can't be complete themselves like if they if they start effing and blinding and they start really moving to shreds about certain things that will completely ruin their squeaky clean image if you see one of them in a nightclub with a sniffing a bunch of whatever off a woman a strippers whatever their 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 image will be completely tarnished even though i'm pretty sure they do yeah yeah so they have to secretly do that shit. they have they have to they have like a bunch of bounce uh security guards like you know cover them from like protect them from other people and stuff and that that's another uh issue with that level of fame and you know getting getting success for being somebody you're really you're not you're not you know because you can't be yourself and that to me is a huge trap that's why i value uh the what we said earlier, the, the, the long way in our own way, because yeah. at least I get to be me. And, um, you know, I, I could have done more squeaky clean stuff to get further quicker, but further in what way, in a way where I can like wake up each day and actually be happy and not feel stress and anxiety of like, fuck, I got to keep up this bullshit, blah, blah, and hate myself. You know, like I'd, I'd rather die on my, uh, on my feet as a man and on my knees like a bitch, you know? Like, we gotta play the game sometimes, but I'd rather be on my deathbed knowing, like, I did my best in the way that honored who I am than sell my soul to try to get to some fucking place just because I feel like I had to get there to impress people. Well, who would you say is an example of someone who is like that that you see now i mean a lot of people you see them having mental health attacks even that they're famous and it's because of what they've done yeah so who who do i see now that is isn't like that that i mean that is uh, uh doing what i'm what i said yeah who's who's really sort of famous um is completely I mean, Donald Trump is someone that comes to mind, but he's in the wrong way, isn't he? <laughs> but he... Yeah, but, you know, people shit on Donald Trump, which I, I understand. But at the same time, um, he's a great example of what happens if you are extremely polarizing by being you. You know, like, I'm not saying be him, but he's a lesson of what can happen if you're just... Well, also, you, we, we can start... I don't want to get too deep into it. Because you can argue about, political. I don't know, <laughs> persuasion, manipulation. But I'm talking outside of politics, like not being political, but just yeah. getting a following. You know, just fucking being whoever the fuck he is. Yeah. And talking the way he is. Because he's not doing what a typical president would have, would, or like have done, has done, right? But um, uh, who's somebody right now? I feel like Ricky Gervais, right? If you yeah. watch the show Afterlife too, he's still he's got some jokes in there that would piss people off. I was like, damn, it, fuck, and this came out this year, shit. Like, he's still. Mm. And I think, but I haven't followed. I haven't followed his career enough to know the ins and outs, so I can't one hundred percent. I don't know. Yeah, and he's the thing for him. He's fashioned himself as someone that's been himself and doesn't give a shit, so he doesn't have to change anything. You know, if he says anything bad, that's just who he is. 
Well, exactly. with someone like Ellen DeGeneres, she is definitely someone who's forced everything. She even said herself that she's not very comfortable around people. So, I mean, some of the things you hear about, of course, you're going to expect that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what happens. That's why you get canceled. That's why you can't you can't be you and we'd glad you know that that's why like I told myself pe people told me, Oh, you sure you want to curse because uh, YouTube videos, you're not gonna get monetized, blah blah, or this and that. And then I had a I had a I thought about it with myself before a couple of years ago, before I started getting to all this shit. And then literally I told myself, Yeah, if I put out who I really am from the beginning. How can I really get canceled? How can I get really attacked when the proof is in the pudding? This is just who I am. Even if people get mad at the end of the day, it's kind of to be expected. Yeah. So I decided, fuck it. No matter how long it takes, even if it takes 10 to 20 years, I told myself, I don't give a fuck if it takes 10 to 20 years before people find out who I am. Fuck it. Yeah. But at least I can be me. And unfortunately, like it's been a little bit more accelerated. I still have a very long way to go, but, uh, the Ricky Gervais thing, like you were saying, that just being him from the start, then so what? That's him. He's being authentically himself. Yeah. Versus if you have to be a squeaky clean Hollywood actor, that's why they get canceled over saying, like, what, like John Cena, he had to apologize to China because he said Taiwan's a country because he sold himself for money, right? That is not ridiculous. He, had, he spoke in Chinese. Because he's so afraid of losing what he has. Yeah. The more you are given, the more you feel like you have to lose, and the less you are free. Yeah. You know, unless you get that thing on your own on accord. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is you too too much? You're effectively someone else, as you keep on saying. You're their bitch boy. <laughs> Yeah, no, essentially, yeah, but he's this huge masculine guy, fucking so famous, so much money, and he and he's like, I'm so sorry that I called Taiwan a country. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it's like, what the fuck? That's so funny to me. And you see this all the time. Like, Pat, Pat, Patton Oswald, did you see that? Where he had to apologize for posting a photo with of him with Dave Chappelle? Why? Because people got called, because they're calling, uh, they called uh, Dave Chappelle a transphobe and all that, right? Because of his special, but they didn't really watch the special. And then, yeah. and then because Patton posts, and Patton, Patton's a squeaky clean guy. And then people got mad at him. He's like, how could you post a photo with the transphobe? So he made a, a post following that. Of, <laughs> he had a photo of him with a pen and paper. And then, you know, this whole caption about, I thought long and hard about this. I never want to hurt anybody. I didn't mean to hurt people with, I apologize for hurting people by posting that photo. I'm like, what the, that's crazy. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to apologize about what? But he didn't say anything racist or do anything bad himself. He's, he's allowed to be friends with Dave Chappelle. Exactly. <laughs> but look what happened to us, right? Think about how much anxiety this, this guy has to go through all the time. If he has to apologize about that, that says a lot about how much he's like, oh, he's worried about shit all the time. I don't want to live like that, dude. No. I don't want to live like that. Fuck it. Well, with everything that we've said so far and we've discussed, 
what would you say has been the weirdest and most fucked up thing in comedy that makes you think like, you know, you've got to be yourself, you could be that, but bloody hell, what the fuck was that I saw on stage? And what was the biggest lesson you've learned in life? And also, how do people find out about your work? Um, so the weirdest thing, I, the most fucked up thing I see on stage? Yeah. <sighs> well, there was this old white guy. He had, <clears throat> he was like early stage of dementia, I think, or Alzheimer's. I don't know, but he was like really old. And he would just start saying the N-word. And stuff. It was like, <laughs> that was fucked up, but it was funny because he's so gone. Like he didn't even realize what was going on, but he just said it. And then there's other white guy who just kept. Uh, it's funny when you see people that think that like being funny means being really really angry and and shock shock humor. So he just kept talking about how like Native Americans deserve to die or some crazy shit. And I'm like, that's like there's no there's Whoa. no funny angle on on this. And you're just screaming and I don't know. I just saw that. Um, and what lessons did I get from that or what, what, um, no, just what, 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 how did it affect you? <laughs> what was your thoughts when that happened? <laughs> oh, well, it showed me even more why you don't, um, a lot of comedians that start off, they go towards a few things. They go towards anger, sex, and like shock value, okay. right? You can literally see them on stage if, if they're booked on a show and I've seen them like the gears turning in their head, their material's not hitting for like a few minutes and all of a sudden they're just getting nervous and then go, yeah, so, so I fucked this girl in the ass, right? Like, I, 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 dude, I, dude, I busted loads in her fucking asshole. And then I'm like, that's, but people are kind of laughing because it's just, it's like sex shit, you know? And, and then you can see them go, you know what I mean? They're not fighting to try to, get better they just go towards like the low-hanging fruit or they get angry but yeah you know when you fucking drive on the freeway man. <laughs> so right. they don't they yeah. don't they don't <clears throat> you 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 don't like it when someone picks you want you like to see someone do something creative yeah i'm not saying don't do any sex jokes but i'm saying like, i can see when people resort to that because their actual material isn't working and I used to do that before too. And it's always a, a good reminder when I do see that. Like, nah, just, just keep working. Just keep working. Keep trying new things. You know? Face the bum. And that shit. Yeah, face the bum. Like, get, get, get more comfortable with it. Feel it. It makes you better. Be friends with the silence. Um, just keep, just keep fucking up. Just keep making mistakes. That's the only way. Now, with <clears throat> with all of that, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in comedy? The biggest lesson in comedy? Oh. I would say, well, well, one, um, don't take things personally. 
Like, don't take things personally. Whether it's other comedians you're around and then they say something crazy or like they're mean to you one day and then nice another day. Like, just don't take it personally because, um, and then on stage too, if they're not laughing at you, like, don't, don't take it so personally because it's not, it's not like you and your worth and who you are. And, you know, cause we all, we all think about like, what's wrong with us with all these interactions or when things don't really go the way we want it to, but it's just, it's just, it is what it fucking is, you know? Um, so for stage, just fucking just work on whatever you're working on and get better at it. But then when it comes to, in general, just don't take things personally. Somebody's fucking, you know, road raging, getting mad at you, flipping you off. You don't need to think about that the whole day. They're probably going through something, hmm. you know. And comedians, we we all got our like neuroses and things like that. It's just, everybody's fucked up, dude. Everybody's suffering. You know, I don't know. I feel like I'm going. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm answering the question, but. But I, I, I've been, these are just thoughts I've had a lot for the past week. So um, it's not always you. You just learn that. You just learn that. Yeah. Or hopefully you learned that. Whoever's listening, just fucking figure that shit out. <laughs> I don't even know if that helped. Whatever. Now, for anyone that wants to, wants to find out about you and everything you do how do they get in contact mike um i'm on youtube instagram TikTok, twitter at uh mike kim comedy m-i-k-e-k-i-m comedy one word and then uh yeah and i got a podcast called the set breaker you'll find that on youtube and spotify everything yeah that's what right. well that's that Guys, that's where Mike's at. If you want to find out about him, you want to watch his stuff, listen to his podcast, you know where they go. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you guys subscribe. Give, make sure you give a five-star review on every platform you come across. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, drop me a message. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.